Welcome to the Compliance Collective Podcast. My name is Lauren Gray from Gray Management Systems, your compliance training specialists. Our aim is to bring you updates, tips, and important information regarding all things compliance. Thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome to today's episode where we're going to be talking about the National Disability Insurance Scheme. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Amina Shawkat, who is an experienced and certified healthcare quality specialist uh, with ABLE Australia, who's based here in Melbourne. Amina has a demonstrated history of working in the hospital and healthcare industry, both internationally and in Australia. She's skilled in healthcare management, healthcare accreditation, performance improvement, and patient safety. And she's very passionate about improving internal processes through conducting audits. Amina is a physician with a Master's of Quality Management and is also a lead auditor. She's the National Quality and Compliance Advisor for ABLE Australia, um, who is a not-for-profit disability service organisation, and they recently renewed their registration as an NDIS provider. Today, Amina joins me to discuss uh, the uh, transition across to the national scheme, uh, the registration, uh, the audit process from the perspective of a provider. Um, and I thought that would be really helpful, especially for our friends in WA that are about to make that same transition later in the year. And also for any other new providers out there, wherever you are in Australia, um, to yeah, hopefully gain some insight into what that process may entail and um, pick up any helpful tips along the way. So thank you, Amina, for taking the time um, to share uh, your experience as the uh, quality specialist there with ABLE Australia. Um, Maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about ABLE Australia and your role there, thanks. Absolutely. So ABLE Australia is a leading provider of disability services for adults and community support for seniors. Um, Our service includes support, supported independent living, community participation, deafblind services, day program, community programs, transport services for senior. We basically operate in Victoria, Tasmania, Queensland and ACT. Um, My role, I work as a National Quality and Compliance Advisor, uh, and my role includes support developing and maintaining ABLE's quality governance framework, supporting systems and processes, developing and maintaining the quality management system, ensuring that it meets the accreditation requirements, Mm -hmm. also developing and maintaining the annual timetable um, of plan internal and external audits, coordinate a schedule and provide support for preparation and follow-ups. Um, also, my role includes developing and maintaining, maintaining ABLE's continuous improvement agenda through implementing best practices, capacity building and processes. This includes leading projects related to the key organisation wide quality objectives. So you've got so just a few things on your plate. Yeah, just a, just a few things there. <laughs> <laughs> um, you sound very busy, um, but that's an important role. Um, so when about did ABLE Australia go through the NDIS transition process? So it all started about 18 months ago um, and we went through the full registration by February this year, 2020. We finished our whole um, certification audit. Okay, yes. And you're still waiting um, on the your actual registration, aren't you? 
Yep, so we're still waiting because of the whole COVID system. Um, the yep. process has been slowed down. Yeah, perfect. Oh, that's good. Um, and so how, so you're already, as we said earlier, so you were previously registered um, here in Victoria under the Victorian Disability Act. And you're obviously, because you work interstate as well, um, you were meeting the other state requirements. Absolutely. So we are having only, we are basically mainly focused on NDIS. Mm. So we have operating NDIS um, under Queensland, ACT, um, Victoria and Tasmania. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so when about did you have to transition across? Like when did you get the tap on the shoulder to say it's time to, it's time to come across to us? Yeah, that was last year somewhere, beginning of last year, mm-hmm. where we were we very transition and we knew that our registration is expiring um, 31st of May 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to submit our self-assessment in September. So that was a three months period. Um, mm-hmm. And we submitted our self-assessment in September and then we had a we had three months to follow up for the other stage one and stage two. Hmm. Um, if I can ask you, let's start talking about the self-assessment because whether you're re-registering or you're a brand new provider, the self-assessment is um, a process that everyone has to go through. Um, can you just talk us through that process? It's a very rigorous process. <laughs> it's a very, very important, I must say, Yes. because self-assessment is also like a gap analysis you're doing. For your organization so it's a very it's a fantastic opportunity to identify okay what services are we providing under which registration group mm-hmm. um, and also it's just to also identifies how much time do you need to prepare mm. and at what stage are you at so self-assessment was a very comprehensive and a great process we went through um in september mm. There's a lot of work that's been put into that self-assessment. So it's for those who might not know, it's an online process and um, it sort of guides, depending on your answers, it then opens up certain areas to then answer more questions. So um, it sort of takes you through that beginning, doesn't it, through the core module of the practice standards and then depending on where you go from that and what you, what's answered, then it unlocks the other supplementary model uh, modules of the practice standards to see where what you might have to be um apply for registration for particular yeah absolutely yeah yes and by doing the self-assessment you can identify okay is that this registration service your registration registration group sorry yes. are you providing the service for is this applicable to you mm. so it's that's why it's the most important part of the whole audits mm-hmm. yeah and one thing with the services even though because able australia has been around since I think you said the 1960s, just Absolutely. in our prior chat. So you had established services there. So were there any new services that you were wanting to become um, registered in as well that you then had to include in that self-assessment process? Absolutely, very good question. So we went through um, module two. Mm-hmm. So as you know, there is a core module and then there is a supplementary module, yes. as you've mentioned. So supplementary module, we had two and 2A, which Mm -hmm. is talking about the behaviour support. So we went through a provisional certification, Mm -hmm. um, which means that we are prepared to to deliver the service. However, we don't have any client under it, Mm -hmm. or we will be planning to to provide the service very very soon. So that module particularly, we went through a provisional certification. Mm. rest of them we already had clients under those um, registration group and we were already providing services and we had an evidence to support 
Perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really. I think that's key, isn't it? That for people to know that if they are planning to do the service or provide that service, and they have to apply for that particular registration group. So. Hmm. Yeah. Um, with the self-assessment, because it is pretty in-depth, I think, um, as you mentioned, uh, did it take one sitting or several days and hours and to, to yeah. complete? So with the self-assessment, because it's such a comprehensive process, mm-hmm. um, it took us a while. Like, I couldn't give you a time frame, but I think for the organisations, it depends on the organisation, how big they are, their scope of service. So it took us weeks to complete the self-assessment because we wanted to be very careful on identifying where our gaps are and there are key personal people we need to contact okay for example um core module if you look at there are um hr aspect there is a learning and development where we need to talk about the training we need to look how are we performing in terms of work health and safety Mm. so it talks also about the governance and leadership so these are the key personal people we needed to get in touch with Mm -hmm. um, to help to ask their help or assistance in to do our own self-assessment so it took us a while Mm. a couple of weeks but it was certainly a good exercise to do the gap analysis. And you had no problems with saving um, the self-assessment online as you went and then returning to it when you needed to? Yeah, so there was no issues. Well, we need Proda system, which is our commission website, uh, sorry, commission database, uh, where we submit our evidence or the application. It's, there are challenges because it's a new system. Mm. So NDIs, the whole system is a very new, so there are challenges and I yes. think they are improving as mm. we give them the feedback. Mm. Yes, so, I've heard that they're very receptive, which is great. And like with anything new, it takes time to mature and you yeah, reach out and, and, and gain that important feedback back into. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's good. Um, so... For you, it was really, you you knew right from the onset because of the types of services that you provide, it was pretty clear that you were going to need certification as opposed to verification. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Were you, um, was that, how did you learn about the two different pathways about the NDIS? You know, there's this certification or verification. was that something that you were able to explore yourself or was that fairly clear from the uh, the research that you had started to conduct when you started looking in the NDIS space? Well, this is a very good question again. we So I have done quite a bit of a search on the NDIS website and there are some providers, um, some training providers out there giving some free webinars, some information out there and but I have attended quite a bit of them, of, of those um, seminars and webinars, mm-hmm. which helped me to increase my knowledge about what's the difference between the certification and verification. Mm. Um, and also the NDIS website, I think it has become better in mm. terms of resources over mm. the period of time. So there was a lot of research we had to conduct to identify, okay, are we going to go through certification or verification? Um, they had a uh, so NDIS Commission website has got a very nice flowchart which talks about okay if you are only a small provider if you are just only providing um, basic supports you are only applicable for core module mm-hmm. whereas if you are a provider with the high risk clients mm-hmm. and if you are providing some additional supports then you will need to go through certification so that was very helpful mm-hmm. so NDIS website 
was also a way to go. Mm, absolutely. I'll put that um, link in the show notes, actually, because I know the flowchart that you're talking about, and it is very, very handy. Um, so I want to talk about a bit of uh, the core module. Um, so you were required um, to comply with the core module, um, the, what do they call them, the objectives and the quality indicators. Um, did you need to make any big changes to your current management systems to meet those quality indicators? Well, luckily, no. Over the period of many years, Able Australia Services had adopted different frameworks such as ISO 9001 Human Service Quality Framework to meet the accreditation needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we look at when we look at these type of frameworks, it shows the fundamentals are very similar. Mm, they are, so, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. So yes. talk about the same thing about incident management, feedback management, governance, leadership, talk about work health and safety, human resource, all that. So when you look at the fundamentals, they're actually trying to achieve the same objective. Yes. So we didn't really have to make major changes. However, we did have to look at our policies and procedures, which we already had to see that if we are meeting the requirement. Mm. So we already had risk management policy, incident management policy, mm. feedback management policy, just needed a review to see if it's covering what's expected from NDIS. Mm. Uh, luckily, no, there was no big amendments needed. Mm. And how did you find reading the practice standards like, as part of the core module? Did it make sense to you when you went through and broke them down? Because there's a lot of information, isn't there? Absolutely. So from personal point of view, I've done a lot of um accreditation so it was not a challenge for me but i need to keep in mind that there are other people out there in the in the team or around the organization who doesn't really have a quality background so that's one of the things we have done we have made practice standards in a very simple language when we are communicating with our staff Mm. so we are talking in a very simple language for them to understand Mm. um so it was not hard to understand practice standards does need a lot of work it's not a mature system Mm. so when we compare with the aged care or when we compare with the hospital standards Mm. um it's quite it's still developing yeah of course yeah 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 just to identify that core module itself is not defined as a core module on the book yes i know Yeah. It's like, okay, how do we identify what this module one means? It's not mentioned on the practice center itself, so you have to actually figure it out yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Yeah, there's a little bit of um, navigation required, isn't there? And um, absolutely. And especially with you know, well, I know we haven't even begun to talk about the uh, the rules that's that support the practice standards, but um. I think that's uh, one thing that um, a lot of providers uh, get caught up on where uh, they they concentrate on the practice standards but then they haven't actually then gone and delved deeper into the the certain rules you know for example you know incident management or um, complaints um, you know there's also another set of requirements that sit behind those those core areas too yeah 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 yeah, it's, a, I think that's why it's just called the core because that's expected from all the or, all the organizations mm-hmm. because such an essential thing. But when you read it, as you said, you don't realize that the things sitting behind it. It's, yes. It's just, yes. Yeah. And also, it's pretty easy to read, but it's a lot of processes yes. that needs to be implemented. Yeah. And that just re- jogged my memory too. Not just the rules, but also definitions. Very important, especially when you look at who is a worker. 
um, you know, and then and then also, you know, if you're a worker, then you know, and all the different types of pieces that really need to go and and support that as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We, we talk a lot. Um, you mentioned earlier that you required um, certification with um, additional supplementary modules, and I know we've talked previously, and pretty much you applied for the hamburger with a lot minus i think two supplementary modules didn't you i don't Um, like those ingredients (laughs) (laughs) yes hamburger with a lot but maybe without the pineapple or something like that i don't know whatever whatever you prefer but um uh we use and we we talked about this how you've already were providing some of those um services but um i really wanted to when you were going through the self-assessment process with these supplementary modules um Talk me through what that was like. I know you've mentioned that you had to stop and start and go out and speak to some key personnel, but was there anything there um, that you found, I don't know, maybe something you would have done differently um, that you could maybe share with the with the listeners about to maybe give them, you know, some assistance when they're going through this process? Yeah. So with self-assessment, the most important thing I need to understand, I think we need to remember is that it's, all about collaboration if they do on your own. You need to have people or relevant staff or key personnel to be involved in it. And sometimes it's hard to convince people to come on board mm-hmm. that okay, we need to do a self-assessment because the quality or quality part is in some organization expected as one person role. Mm. Okay, you are the person, you are the compliance manager, you are the compliance um, advisor, you should do that. I'm Mm. not going to do it. It's a lot of work. So first of all, the way we approach the key personnel is very important. It's the collaboration. We need a lot of support. We, when you're doing self-assessment, you need more clarification around particular standards. Just make it very simplified Mm -hmm. in a very simplified version Mm -hmm. and then approach to the key personnel. Make sure you have a better understanding before approaching another person. If you don't, if you need more clarification, seek for it. Mm. So it's better to go with a proper understanding mm. um, to, um, to get more information and get another person uh, give you more evidence and more information around that self-assessment. Mm. So that's one thing I've learned um, from my experience that I will do my homework first before I approach other people. Okay, yes. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I know, um, uh, so from there, so you've done your self-assessment. I want to take you back to that part. So you've, you've gone and you've hit the submit button and you've hoped that it's gone through <laughs> and you haven't lost all that work. Um, through that process, um, there is provision to provide evidence. Um, how, was that really where you, you, did you upload a lot of evidence or is there limitations regarding how much evidence you can upload at that particular point? point it's the evidence is is a very um tricky part because i did have uh, those kind of questions okay what evidence do i upload mm. um and how much do i upload and am i uploading the right thing mm. that was the first question coming in my head so the homework which i did was i had my spreadsheet and i had the indicators in one column and then my policies and procedures which was matching mm-hmm to those indicators that's a kind of a mapping document i had Mm -hmm. so some of the indicators would be duplicates like the risk management would be a couple of places 
ask twice. So in that case, I uploaded only once. Mm. So um, evidence basically is all about the policies, procedures, form, templates we have got. Mm -hmm. And it's all about how we do our organization, how how we do our these particular processes. Um, and then that's for stage one. So that's the kind of, that's the thing we have uploaded, like we have uploaded the organization chart, which is coming from governance and leadership. And then we have uploaded some position descriptions we have to support our um, support some of the indicators. And then we have uploaded some of the evidence like a consent form, just a form, the blank, just the templates, nothing related to client. Mm. So that mapping document actually helped me to identify, okay, what do I need to upload where? Mm. Yes. So, you wouldn't, and you wouldn't just have been able, in, sorry, sorry, I was just about to say, you wouldn't have been able to do it without some form of mapping document. No, mapping document was the way to go because that just gives you um, kind of a mental piece as well that you're not uploading too many things and you haven't missed out anything. Mm. And of course, if you have missed out on anything, if the when we reach to this stage one, when we talk about it more later, I will also explain if the auditor needs more, they can always ask. That's exactly it. Yeah. Hmm, that's yeah. good. Well, what we might do is we'll, we'll leave it there because I think that's a great place to finish on with the self-assessment. Um, and um, I'd like, if, if it's okay, I'll ask you to stick around and we can talk then about the stage one and stage two, you know, with the audit process and then beyond that. Because um, there's that's, some fairly, well, they're really important pieces, aren't they? So um, thanks for your time this morning. Um, no problem. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll leave it there. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for listening in today. I hope that you've found this episode helpful and informative. Please take a moment to hit subscribe. And if you know someone in the compliance field or someone who may just be interested in today's episode, please feel free to share. Be well, stay safe and happy auditing everyone.